much for a bunch of blowouts. So much for the AFC being walkovers. So much for a first half that sets a tone and a second half that follows suit. <laughs> so much for your 13 and a half point spread. <laughs> the Dolphins don't care about your point spread. My goodness. I have to say that this weekend kept me on my toes. My goodness. You really couldn't take time away from the tube. Take time away from the tele, as they call it, across the pond. Uh, take time away from my notes. Oh, my goodness. They're all consuming. Maybe, just maybe, I get a little carried away with my playoff notes. But it's a supersized wildcard weekend, which means I have to have supersized wildcard notes. I'm so excited this time of the year when we can really do deep dives into what is five games Saturday and Sunday. The NFL has moved its last wild card game to a Monday, which means we've got four hours for five games and some other news. Of course, there is other news around the world of sports, not just the NFL, though we will spend 98.5% of this show on the NFL because that's how we roll. And I've already put up a tweet as well as a post on Facebook to ask you for the best thing you saw over wildcard weekend. We could even do a fill in the blank. The best thing I saw this wildcard weekend. Oh, you know what we need? I didn't use this on my text and I don't have the ability to edit my text, but I'll probably put it on our Facebook page. The eyeball emoji. Or if you wear glasses or contacts, we could have... The four eyeballs. Did you ever call someone four eyes when you were a kid? That's just wrong. Actually, four eyes is better than two when it comes to supersized wildcard weekend. I never called anyone that, but I did wear glasses when I was a kid, and I'm sure someone said it to me. Doesn't matter to me at all, really. I just know that the more eyeballs, the better. Eyeballs and earballs, baby. We need them all for supersized wildcard weekend. I hope that you enjoyed your weekend. Man, I did nothing but clean and watch football this weekend. <laughs> Finally, my house is back to clean again. Oh, so thankful for that. I think I burn more calories uh, cleaning my house than I do when I do my training runs. <laughs> oh, I also signed up for my first half marathon of 2023. Uh, so that'll be fun. I mean, fun, you know, using that term loosely. <laughs> So, welcome back. If you're on a holiday weekend, well, the welcome back was really more to me then, but welcome to the show. Welcome to your work week. Welcome to your week. I know as I was driving into the office, there were plenty of cars on the road, so I'm thinking there are a lot of people out and about, and while it's not a holiday that everyone takes off uh, Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I hope that for those of you who are out of your regular routines, you find the show for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Sometimes on holidays, we have affiliates that we don't generally have with us or maybe don't always have with us. And so wherever you are, whoever you're listening, yay. I'm geeked up for tonight's show. No one says that anymore except for me. But my nieces tell me that the 80s and 90s are back. So there's that. <laughs> what is the best thing you saw over wildcard weekend? I will be expecting to hear from you 
on Twitter, A Law Radio. I know producer Jay will put up a post on our show Twitter account after our CBS. Uh, but I've already got my tweet up there. And then Facebook, you're blowing it up because those of you who use Facebook, you cannot get enough. Where shall we start? How about this? Since I am assuming that you all know who won this weekend, uh, I'm not giving you scores. I'm not breaking. Well, I'm not spoiling anything for you, right? This is a, I wouldn't say it's a no spoiler zone. Sometimes there are spoilers, uh, but I'm not going to spoil anything for you by starting with the divisional round schedule because this time of the year we have to plan our lives. Okay, I have to plan my life around the dog, but then football right after that. Here is your divisional weekend schedule. And this is always my favorite NFL weekend of the year. Because you have four games. That's it. Just four games. And because you get the big dogs. Both Kansas City and Philadelphia, the top seeds in the AFC and NFC, will be back on the field next weekend. Now, you remember last divisional round. I know that you do. All four games. Still hanging in the balance on the final snaps of the game. Was it two that went into overtime? And then a fatal 13 seconds. Don't quote me on the two that went into overtime, but I think it was two of them. Uh, A fatal 13 seconds that Buffalo Bills fans will never forget, but will have a chance to vindicate. So here is your schedule. Coming up on Saturday, Kansas City hosting Jacksonville. That's your first game at 3.30 Kansas City time, 1.30 Pacific time. I know I saved you in Florida for last. 4.30 Florida time. So KC hosting Jacksonville. And then, believe it or not, you've got your other top seed in action on Saturday night. The Eagles with yet another rematch this playoff run against the New York Giants. So the Giants pull off. See, I don't know if we can call it an upset. By seeds, it was an upset. I have no idea what the spread was going into the Giants-Vikings game. It was a great game, though. Very entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Lots of twists and turns and lots of back and forth. And who needs defense, really? Actually, that's when I used the eyeball emoji earlier on Sunday when I was talking about the lack of defense in the Giants-Vikings game through the first few quarters. So the Giants earn another date with the Eagles, a team that they know well, of course. We're talking about the NFC Beast, three playoff teams. But we're also talking about a rivalry that goes back, 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 back. And get this. (laughs) In case you're wondering, the last time the Eagles and the Giants played, well, it was week 18. But before that... It was in the last six weeks of the season. So all three of these matchups between Giants and Eagles will come in a relatively short amount of time. All of them from December 11th on. And so the Eagles and the Giants, and the Eagles manhandled the Giants when they were playing at MetLife. This game, obviously, will be in Philadelphia, That one was much closer, even though, strangely enough, the Giants weren't playing anyone from their starting lineup. It's kind of odd. The Eagles still had so much to play for, and it was the return of Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, the Giants just saw Jalen Hurts, and they've seen the Eagles twice 
in the last five weeks. So no love lost, but also no intimidation. That's your Saturday night game under the lights in Philadelphia. Then moving ahead to Sunday. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you this weekend already has me excited as if I wanted to get to the weekend any faster than normal. We will get the Bengals and Bills. I don't believe in playoff gods. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in any of those things. I don't believe in luck, really. This is how it's supposed to be. Bengals and Bills. And we knew this was a distinct possibility once Buffalo earned the two seed and the Bengals, as the AFC North champs, had the three seed. Now, this time they'll be in Buffalo at Highmark Stadium. So it's not the exact same situation, obviously. So much has changed, really, just emotionally, mentally, over the past couple of weeks in the NFL. But we will get the game that we all desired, that we were so looking forward to. DeMar Hanlon, by the way, is expected to be at the stadium for that game. Not playing, of course, but he is expected to be in the building in Buffalo next weekend. The start time's been pushed back, so Bills and Bengals will be 3, three Eastern, 3 o'clock Buffalo and Cincinnati time on CBS. Boom. And then that leaves us with the 6.30 start time, but 3.30 in San Francisco. The Niners, now winners of 11 consecutive games. 11 consecutive games hosting either Dallas or Tampa because that is your Monday night game on about 17 different networks, so there's no way that you can miss it. So here is my promise to you. We're going to deep dive on all of the games that we saw over the weekend. And I want to know what is the best thing that you saw over this supersized wild card weekend. So the, the moments that stick out to me very often are not necessarily moments on the field. Now, I, of course, we're going to go over all those critical moments like Sam Hubbard snagging a ball out of the air on the two-yard line and running 98 yards. Rumbling, really? Rumbling would be more like it. The defensive end, rumbling 98 yards after what was a long drive, right? So the defense is already gassed. But he goes 98 yards in the fourth quarter to put the Bengals in front of the Ravens. The turning point, obviously. Obvi. But the moment that I'll remember is Hubbard trying to look all cool and pose for a photo while he's wearing an oxygen mask. <laughs> now, I love the fact that he was wearing an oxygen mask. That should tell you that he just gave it everything he had. Heart, soul, blood, sweat, tears, and all of his breath. But let's be fair. Oxygen mask, photo, not so manly. And he's flexing in it. That's the funny part. Flexing with his oxygen mask. <laughs> I'm surprised he had the energy left to flex. But, you know, you got to flex on him. And so I'll remember that. I will absolutely remember Sam Hubbard with an oxygen mask while he's flexing. I'll remember Daniel Jones looking the way that Daniel Jones was always supposed to look. 
Because after all, he was a top 15 pick. After all, he was highly touted by the Eli and Peyton Manning tandem. Remember? These guys talked him up because they have a quarterback coach in common. Going back to Daniel's days at Duke. We've been waiting for you, Daniel Jones. This is the Daniel Jones that needed Brian Dayball, but also needed some time. He clearly has benefited from this new coaching staff, but he also needed some time. Oh, and a healthy Saquon Barkley doesn't hurt. But Daniel Jones, it struck me as I was watching this game, and really the second half as much as the first, completely in control. That's what I kept thinking. Not over his skis, not turning the ball over, not rushing, not trying to do everything all in one play. Patience. Patience, Padawan. Patience. Completely in control. And obviously very confident. So I'll remember that about this playoff weekend. By the way, in that game, did you all see the young man who received Super Bowl tickets from Roger Goodell? His family was in the end zone, and I don't know if it was exactly when they showed it. I don't think it was a live video that they showed, but this moment made me cry. Fox comes back from a commercial break. And I will tell you this, from being at NFL games, specifically high-profile games like a postseason game, when I was at the Super Bowl, what struck me is the number of events, activities, video, moments that never make it on TV that happen in the stadium. But I appreciate that the NFL put this one on TV, that Fox put this one on TV because it made me cry. Roger Goodell is standing in the end zone and there is a young boy with a Vikings jersey, Charlie Heisinga. His his family is there. Looks like mom and dad and a sibling. And the commissioner surprises him with Super Bowl tickets. This young man is battling leukemia. Real life stuff, right? Not football wins and losses, but actual life and death. His unadulterated joy, his delight, absolutely priceless. He's got a big head of curly blonde hair. It's flying all over the place. Jumping up and down, screaming and yelling. And when Roger Goodell offered him a high five, he grabs the commissioner's hand and is shaking it. That's what life is about, Charlie and his joy. So I cried. But thank you, NFL. That moment, I will remember. I'll remember photos of... Trevor Lawrence and his teammates going to Waffle House after their historic comeback against the Chargers. And honestly, even having no rooting interest with the Chargers, that pit in my stomach for them. Another chapter for their dubious and painful history. So many moments to remember. Christian McCaffrey, oh boy, he can flex on everyone. I just remember thinking during the Niners-Seahawks game how amazing it is that he's been healthy all season and what it must mean to him to feel healthy, to feel strong, to not have to worry about injuries. And maybe he's got some aches and pains here and there, don't we all? Don't they all? After a season of getting roughed up. 
he gives every snap 110%. But for years, not only did he battle injuries, he was stuck. He was stuck in a Panthers roster and a Panthers cycle of rebuild, restart, reset. When he was on the field, he was a game changer. But there were long stretches where we didn't have him. Long stretches where he was on and off the field. He's healthy. He got traded to a Super Bowl contender. And I love to see it for him. He's a guy that's easy to root for. And I'll also remember the families. Skylar Thompson's dad. What a story that Tracy Wolfson told about how his dad and Skyler lost their mom, his mom and wife, when he was three years old. And so Skyler's dad has done everything he possibly could to sacrifice for Skyler to be able to realize this dream, including driving 15 hours to get to the game in Buffalo so he could be there for his son. And what struck me is that Tracy said they talk nonstop all the time either text or call every day. That kind of a relationship is not common. It's awesome, but not common. And man, the bond that they have. Sometimes people laugh at me. My girlfriends laugh at me because my mom and I pretty much have an ongoing nonstop conversation. Gosh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then the parents of Brock Purdy. Well, the parents of the family of Brock Purdy. And what a ride this has been for him. From Mr. Irrelevant to a rookie who's earned the starting job for the Niners. A rookie who has come on the scene and got in an offense full of hosses and they haven't lost. And now, even if Jimmy Garoppolo returns, Brock Purdy's not giving up that job. Those are some of the moments that I will remember. I'd love to hear from you on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence coming up. It was a rematch that we just saw last week. (laughs) Ravens and Bengals, and no, it was not a blowout. Oh, a moment. The kind of moment that we're going to see on highlight reels from now until the cows come home. Or until the Bengals come home. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We are just getting started. Wild Card Weekend, baby. CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Higgins and Boyd out to the right. Hayden Hurst out to the left. Burrow in the gun. Mixon back on the field. Burrow extends the hands. He has the ball. Drops back from the 14. Throws. Caught by Chase. Touchdown! Bengals! He caught it at the one. Spun around and charged into the end zone for the Bengals. First touchdown of the night. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. Oh, strap in. Are you ready to go? Find me on Twitter, Radio. I'm psyched. I love this time of the year. 
Woo, it's so much easier to focus when there's just five games, and it's a lot easier to plan a show when there's five playoff games. Also on our Facebook page and our phone number, 855-212-4227. Let's start with Sunday Night Football. A rematch of a game we saw in Week 18, the AFC North rivalry that gets so physical and tough, a lot of ball control, and always extracurricular activity. Boy, did we see that a lot this weekend. Dolphins and Bills, we saw it. Between the Niners and the Seahawks, we definitely saw it. The Bengals surged to a 9-0 lead, missed extra point, a 9-0 lead with a six-minute touchdown drive late in the first quarter against Baltimore. And on that drive, what stood out to me, five catches by Jamar Chase, including the touchdown. Dan Horton, Dave Lapham on Bengals radio. Baltimore, though, had a different strategy. And it wasn't a secret. We all should have known. With no Lamar Jackson... And honestly, I I think uh, maybe it was an end around. Maybe it was a distraction. It was pre-snap movement. (laughs) There was talk that we would see both Tyler Huntley and the rookie Anthony Brown. As it turned out, we did not. Huntley had an early interception that led to the Jamar Chase touchdown. But for the most part, in the first half, Tyler played very well. And... He guides the Ravens into an offensive groove. Two spread to the left. Now J.K. Dobbins comes to the backfield. Huntley in the shotgun. On third and goal, he takes the snap. Swing pass. Dobbins has it. It's a two. Stretches forward. Touchdown! J.K. Dobbins. He broke the plane with a tremendous effort. This was a 10-minute response by the Ravens. Again, shouldn't surprise you. They don't reinvent the wheel. They do what they're best at, and it's still running the ball, even without Lamar Jackson. Plus, it's an opportunity for them to keep Joe Burrow on ice on the sidelines. Actually, what I heard at the start of the game, 36 degrees, but below freezing, just below freezing with the wind chills at Paycor Stadium. So Baltimore answers. It's It's a drive that's heavy on the run, but it's, ironically, a J.K. Dobbins two yard touchdown catch. Now, late in the second quarter, Hayden Hurst has a fumble. So then you have a turnover for each team in that first half. He catches a ball at midfield. He coughs it up. And Baltimore is able to cash in with a field goal and the lead at half, 10-9. to And so the turnovers definitely producing opportunities for the other team. And boy, wasn't that a theme for the weekend. So out of the halftime locker room, The two teams are game. They're going toe-to-toe. First and goal, Burrow under center. Quarterback sneak off the left side. Diving into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. A penalty flag is down. Normally, that's going to mean defense usually lines up in the neutral zone. Offside. Defense. Thing up in the neutral zone. Here's the climb. Result of the play is a touchdown. One-yard touchdown run for Joe Burrow. He had five touchdown runs during the regular season. Bengals lead 15-10, and they'll go for two. Huntley wants to throw. Going deep. Near sideline. Robinson has it. It's a 10-5. Touchdown, Ravens. Demarcus Robinson on a perfect toss from Tyler Huntley, and the Ravens are an extra point away from tying it up in a very quiet Cincinnati. 
First, Ryan Radke on Westwood One with a Bengals scoring drive that was almost a page out of the Ravens book. A seven-minute possession. They go 83 yards and regain the lead. Joe Burrow with the rushing TD, and then they tack on the two-point conversion to make up for the earlier missed extra point. But then the Ravens respond again, and this time it's a little quicker. Three pass plays, including a 41-yard strike from Huntley to Demarcus Robinson. And you hear that with Jerry Sandusky on Ravens Radio. Tie game after the third quarter. Uh Uh-huh. Raise your hand. Oh, you got to be honest. Because, you know, character is what you do when no one is looking. (laughs) You had this game as a tie after three quarters, right? (laughs) It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. I'm sure you noticed that the Bengals' offense really sputtered in that second half. Following the one-touchdown drive, the points, the yards, were hard to come by. And that was never truer than in the fourth quarter. But a door opened up for the Cincinnati defense. And man, did the Bengals need it. Tyler Huntley with a miscue on the goal line. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. The 30. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Bengals. Tyler Huntley tried to extend the ball over the goal line. It got poked away. Sam Hubbard scooped it up and ran the length of the field for a go-ahead Bengals touchdown. Credit to Logan Wilson punching it out and uh, just being in the right place at the right time. Got a few blocks along the way, and uh, I was just worried about getting tracked down. I'm glad I made it to the end zone. You decide whether you're going to hand it off, take it off the line, and hand it back in the backfield, or whether you want a quarterback sneak it. We felt we had a good call. It's a push-sneak play. Uh, um, you know, It wasn't executed just the right way. I mean, Tyler went over the top. That's a burrow play. He's got to go low on that. That's the way the play's designed. So uh, that was that was two to get it. Uh, you take it off the line of scrimmage, there's a chance. You know, you might score, but there's a chance it gets you in the backfield. Now it's hard to get it on fourth down. So two to get it there from inside the one. We felt like that was the best call. We just didn't execute right. John Harbaugh admitting that Tyler Huntley was supposed to go low. And the reason that they didn't back it up and go to, say, a J.K. Dobbins or handoff is because they didn't want to add yards to what they needed. They were close enough. They felt like they had two opportunities to get in, two opportunities to go a full yard. Now, on the goal line, it can seem as though it's a mile and not a yard, but he was not supposed to go high. When he did, you hear Sam Hubbard say, Logan Wilson knocked it away. Yes, he did, and it went right to Hubbard in stride. And he rumbles 98 yards for the longest fumble return touchdown in NFL playoff history. How about that? I love it when we can say, we've never seen that before. I've never seen that before because we actually haven't. Longest fumble return for a touchdown in NFL playoff history. And how about this? Your nerd alert. The 
longest go-ahead fourth quarter touchdown in NFL postseason history. That's nerd stuff. Because it put the Bengals back in front. So it wasn't that vaunted offense that it helped them win eight games in a row. No, it was the defense. And the call there, masterfully, with Dan Horde and Dave Lapham on Bengals radio. Uh, Believe it or not, this game wasn't over even then. As much as this was a painful moment for Tyler Huntley and the Ravens offense after they'd gotten all the way down to the one-yard line, that Baltimore defense was game. Did you know the Ravens didn't allow even 20 yards to the Bengals in the fourth quarter? Not even 20 yards. Even after roughing the punter penalty, they still forced another three and out. So they went three and out, roughing the punter penalty, first down, another three and out. The Bengals were scuffling on offense. And so this meant the Ravens had an opportunity. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't pretty. But eventually, with the clock running down, the Ravens get into Bengals territory. And they have one last opportunity for Tyler Huntley to find redemption. Eight seconds to go. The Bengals up by seven. Shotgun snap. Huntley back to throw. Hendrickson rushing. He floats it toward the end zone. Into a crowd. Batted down. Incomplete. The clock hits zero. And the Bengals are heading to Buffalo. You know, that's really been the storyline for our defense is is rising up and, and, and really just um, not allowing the def- the offense to have anything. And, and so for our offense to be able to get in rhythm and, and be able to score points, but but our defense just second half has just been fantastic. Today was no different. Um, and it's good to see that they, they brought that second half defense to the playoffs also. Yeah, that's what it looks like. You know, whenever you play a divisional team for the third time, it's, it's going <laughs> to be tough. It's going to be ugly. All that matters is you come out with a win. That Hail Mary was off the fingertips of a Baltimore receiver in the end zone. It got tipped up in the air three times, maybe two, three times. The ball was bandied about, and then as it's coming down, it literally glances off the fingertips of a Ravens receiver. The other arm was actually flush with the ball. It just was going at an odd angle, and he couldn't grab it. The final call there again on Bengals radio. This was not a pretty game for the Bengals offense. In fact, just three for 11 on third down and only one for four in the red zone. So yes, division rivalries are extra. You throw everything out the window. (laughs) I'm watching Sam Hubbard, who barely makes it into the end zone. If the field was another 10 yards, oh, I bet he trips. The green monster gets him. (laughs) But that's not what happened. Phenomenal. Even without Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, was not in the building. That's odd, right? Am I the only one who thinks that's weird? A PCL strain prevents you from traveling? Oh, man, did he get torn up by NFL veterans over the weekend. Even Michael Vick, of course, a running QB, said, put a brace on it, man, and go play. He wasn't even there. What reason for that? What, that bothers me. I'm a huge fan of Lamar Jackson, but that bothers me. You can't get on a plane and fly to Cincinnati and support your teammates. Your quarterback, Tyler Huntley, who could have used you in his ear. 
We're going to talk to Rob Long from our Baltimore affiliate, 105.3 The Fan, coming up at the final hour of the show, and we'll ask him if it bothers him. Ravens fans, does it bother you? Ultimately, the Ravens give the Bengals all that they can handle. We'll hear from the Ravens as well as more from Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor. The Bengals set up a rematch. Actually, I shouldn't call it a rematch. The Bengals set up a game, the game that they didn't get to play and didn't want to play after DeMar Hamlin's injury. On Twitter, ALaw Radio, also on our Facebook page. So excited to hang out with you. Super size wildcard weekend, and it's not even done. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Huntley from under center, quarterback keeper. He goes over top, ball comes loose. It's recovered on a fumble. Sam Hubbard has it. He's sprinting in the other direction. No whistle or flag. Hubbard is to the 30, the 20, 10, 5, and he's in for the touchdown for Cincinnati. An unbelievable reversal. Now, John Harbaugh is going to look to his coaching staff to see if Huntley broke the plane with the ball. If he did, it's a Ravens touchdown. If he did not, it's an absolute disaster. It's just tough, you know. I think you look at the offense and moving the ball, ball, making big-time plays. People are doing their jobs, and, you know, to get down to the the one or whatever it was and and, and sneak it and for that to happen, just a freak thing. And and for them to turn around and get seven, you know, that's basically a 14-point swing. Um, It's tough, man. But, you know, with all that being said, we were still in the game. Guys fought hard, um, continued to fight hard no matter what, and you'd love to see that from the guys, man. I'm, I'm super proud of this team. I haven't even seen the whole play yet. I just saw Sam running down the field, but I'm sure. I'm obviously, you know, guys stepped up and made plays when when their number was called and got us the win. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You hear Joe Burrow say, I haven't even seen the whole play yet. Well, it would be hard from his vantage point. And, of course, he's field level, as are the sidelines, all the sidelines. And if he's sitting on the bench or he's standing behind people, he's trying to see it on the big screen or maybe just looking over the top of people. And so it's hard to see exactly what happened. But, yes, Logan Wilson knocks it free right into the arms of Sam Hubbard, who covers 98 yards, not as fast as, say, Tyreek Hill, but he gets there. And wow, did you see Mark Andrews run like the wind to try to catch up with him? Wasn't able to, of course, got blocked out of the way. But for Sam Hubbard, the oxygen was well earned. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. That's Jerry Sandusky with the Ravens version of the call. So on Twitter and Facebook, we're asking you, what is the best thing you saw this weekend? And we love to play fill in the blank with you. So producer Jay is going to put up a spot uh, on both of our social media where you can fill in the blank. But many of you early on are pointing to the Sam Hubbard fumble return for a touchdown. Longest in NFL playoff history. Also the longest go-ahead fourth quarter touchdown in playoff history. But before that... The Ravens defense was able to limit what Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense was able to do. He got sacked four times, hit another eight times. And as I mentioned, the Bengals are only one for four in the red zone. They mix the blitz in here or there. And you got to give them credit. They're really good on defense. 
You know, they got they understand their scheme. They mix up their coverages. They mix up their blitzes. They're good on good up front. Um, it's really good defense. One of the best in the league. It was a strange game. You get three possessions in the first half. You know, we got our third possession there with like four minutes left in the half. It felt like and. Um, that's just what it is. Every every possession is so critical. That's why those those turnovers, those two turnovers we got on defense, really, it's it's the game. We win the turnover battle, two to one. That's why you win the game. That's my favorite part of Joe Mixon's Instagram live post. Who Shout out to you, boy. Who <laughs> With the music going on in the background. It's fantastic. How many guys do you think whip out their phones? Actually, they're not supposed to have them on the sidelines, so they have to go to the locker room, come back out, or maybe there's someone from the staff who's holding the phone, right? Maybe somebody who's got it in an equipment bag. Except, again, nobody on the sidelines is supposed to have internet access. That's against NFL rules. You know the tablets that Tom Brady likes to chuck all over the place? Those are not internet equipped. They're not supposed to be connected to the web and any use of a phone on the sidelines is strictly prohibited. What I do throw is tablets. <laughs> and so maybe, just maybe, Joe Mixon had it stuffed somewhere uh, on, you know, underneath the bench. Could you imagine tape it underneath the bench early before the game so that you have access to it right away? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. And yes, on to the next, which is the Bengals in Buffalo for the game that we didn't get to see. Now the setting is different, but Zach Taylor already talking about facing the Bills next Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. I feel like two deserving teams, and uh, Buffalo is one of the, the greatest environments to go play in all football. You know, I've, I've been there many, many times, and um, it's, it's a fun environment. It's a worthy playoff environment, and so our, our guys are going to be juiced up and ready to go, and it should be a heck of a game. We heard both John Harbaugh and Mark Andrews about Tyler Huntley's fumble. Certainly a moment that Tyler will have a hard time forgetting. But he played really well for the most part. This was a ball control game, a lot of it, but he did hit some passes. 17 of 29 for 226 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns, but he also had two turnovers, one early and one late. Only 24 years old. I don't know what happens with the Ravens quarterback situation moving forward. But he stepped up to the challenge. It's going to be hard because we got all season now. Um, I'm going to be thinking about that the whole all season. How just one play, they won the game. And um, it's going to be hard, but I think that's, that's going to motivate me to just grind hard, work hard. He played his heart out. You know, I think anybody that watches this game is going to look at two, you know, Snoop, Tyler Huntley, and, and say, wow, you know, this guy's, this guy's playing hard and playing good ball. So, um, you got to give your hats off to him, um, and he's just going to continue to learn and get better and better and better, and um, I love that guy. By the way, I need to clarify, uh, it was the Ravens who were one for four in the red zone. Sorry, I think I misspoke and said it was the Bengals. I'm looking at my notes. There's a lot of scribbling. It was the Ravens who were one for four in the red zone and did have their opportunities. Uh, certainly, the fact that they were able to go plus six minutes, plus five minutes, somewhere in there with time of possession and run the ball 155 yards. There was a lot to like about the Ravens offense tonight, and Harbaugh indicates that. 
Tyler Huntley coming in and playing the way he played, I think, uh, coming off the uh, shoulder and the wrist injuries and uh, fighting his way back onto the field and just uh, just giving it everything he had and uh, that kind of a performance. Uh, Mark Andrews, I mean, coming up and just making play after play uh, in the passing game. Uh, offensive line, the way they blocked. Uh, J.K. and Gus, the way they ran. Can't dwell, can't get down about it. You know, it's life. You know, you're going to face adversity all throughout and various ways uh, throughout your life. And uh, I think, you know, f- face adversity throughout the game. And then, you know, with the loss, we uh, obviously it's adversity as well. So it's about how we're going to respond next year and, like, you know, letting this motivate us uh, this offseason because we know how good um, we can be. Roquan Smith, who just got paid by the Baltimore Ravens. But, man, do they have a lot of questions coming up between now and the chance when they will get back on the field. Quarterback is just one question, but there are others. Can they bring in a top-flight wide receiver? I heard this debate recently among former NFL QBs about whether or not free agent wide receivers would want to play in Baltimore. I thought that was an interesting question. If you have your choice and you look around and you see maybe you're set on the AFC or maybe that's where all your good options are and you have opportunities to go to a team where they do actually throw the ball a lot or where there are run first offense. I I think Lamar Jackson has really improved at throwing the football. He can throw a, a, a bullet. He can throw ropes if he's there. Well, so that uncertainty also will hurt the Ravens, but they need to find a couple of top flight receivers to go along with Mark Andrews, who right now is their best option through the air. And what about Greg Ronan? Will he be back? Will they change offensive coordinators? We're going to talk Giants-Vikings next. After hours, CBS Sports Radio.